0: Welcome to the Erasing Shang podcast. I'm your co-host, DJ Chuang, and I'm joined with Dr. Jessica Chu. And we are talking about the topic of relationships in a marriage and how to enrich those in preparation for becoming parents. And we know that is a huge, huge topic, and there are volumes of books and studies about that. But as Asian Americans, we grow up with a unique family dynamic, and as we're talking over the holiday season, um, those memories uh, revisit us as we look at the um, relationship of our parents and of our uncles and aunties and other relatives, and we wonder what would a healthy relationship look like for ourselves. So whether we're single or young married, uh, this is a conversation for you, Jessica. Thank you for joining me for another conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So, as uh, as a young married couple, um, let's say they've been married for a couple years now, they're learning each one one another's habits and quirkiness in doing the daily routines, and then um, what 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 are some issues that young married couples come across in their early years that kind of surprises them um, that they didn't expect during the dating years and then uh, later on we'll talk a bit about uh, how can they better prepare to be parents
1: yeah wow that's that's a that's a great question um I think a lot of times when we're in our dating years it's it's that honeymoon phase for, for I want to say for most, Christians, there's this idea of like getting married. That's the next step and always thinking about that next step. And so, um, I think it's in our, our, just our cultural, we, we don't want to just be mediocre. We want to be on top of the next thing. And so when we are dating, we're with this intention of getting married. And when we're married after a few years, we're with this intention of, um, wanting to have children. And I think that there's a a window of time where a lot of couples, they begin to think about that next step, not fully understanding why or Mm -hmm. what, or whether there's a trigger that even comes up. And the only reason why they maybe reflect on um, having kids is when they can't or when they're not Mm. in control. And so then they begin to look at you know, why is it not happening? And they'll look into the medical issues, but on the emotional aspect, I think it's really interesting because a lot of couples, they don't really look, um, well, I don't want to say a lot. I think if we don't have a good understanding of ourselves and um, just looking around the relationships that we have, like with our families, our friendships, our community, if you are not seeing that there is I don't want to even say robust but if there aren't intimate relationships in those three buckets of family uh, friends and community community could Mm -hmm. be your faith community your workout Mm -hmm. community your work community if there Mm -hmm. aren't intimate relationships in those areas I think it's important to kind of look within and kind of figure out Mm -hmm. why those things are not there Um, Mm -hmm. and often I think when we begin to kind of have a self-assessment um Mm -hmm. things will come up for us and i'm with this idea that you know there are a lot of as parents there's this top down there's a vertical relationship yes i think many parents desire optimal and best for their next generation Mm -hmm. without really re-examining what would be hindering that for the next generation Hmm. and we can't really examine that without looking at our own at our at ourself and really looking at the past generation and with our relationship with our parents and our parents relationship with their parents Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we'll see a pattern and so I think this is um a really important and insightful time for young couples or individuals or even you know parents who've never done the work and are Mm-hmm. are come up against the rift of like i I love my child, but it's so hard to love them. I think there yes. are certain things like that where they have to kind of recognize what is it that's triggering them so much. I think that would be a much better way to look at it rather than saying like you're annoying or you're wrong or you're upsetting me or but really focusing like, what about this is making me feel rather than looking at the external and um, maybe blaming. We we can do blame or shame. It's a spectrum. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes yes. I think uh within a context of a dyad in relationship, if it's not our partner, or if it's not the other, then we have to kind of become more introspective and think about what's going on here. Yeah.
0: Well, there's so much that you've said there and it takes some <laughs> moment to unpack and digest that because uh, for many people they have not had the um, exposure or understanding of relationship dynamics Um, those that haven't had therapy or those that have had therapy have maybe only worked on their individual self but not the relational dynamic and you mentioned this um, idea of intimacy or actually you start with a narrative and so it's it's not just a Christian story it's kind of the Asian American story or the human story that after you're uh, graduated from college, then you start looking for the uh, a mate and then you build a home and you want to establish the uh, family and the rinse and cycle repeat um, the next generation does the same thing and um, every every or many families aspire to that. But um, in our cultural context, we don't have uh, the rites of passage and the rituals and things that really teach us what intimacy looks and feels like. Uh, Even even that word is relegated to the um, lingerie section in the department store. But we don't really know what it looks and feels like in a marriage relationship. So, talk us through what what does that look and feel like when it wasn't particularly modeled in many of our families?
1: Yes, oh, because
0: families tend to be functional. If you're providing for yourself, you're healthy, and you're functional. You know what, what else is wrong?
1: Man, that word "functional" is not that it's triggering, but it resonates so much with my private practice and some of the Mm. families that I work with when I'm Mm -hmm. doing couples therapy, there's nothing wrong per se. Mm -hmm. We're getting along. The kids are good, but there is something lacking. And And I think it's just, we can function, we can operate well. It's not, nobody hates each other. You know, we're, we're functional, Mm -hmm. but there is a lack of intimacy and connectedness. And mm-hmm. um, you're right, I, I will say for many, for, and I don't want to just say men, but I will say because our society is skewed more where men aren't supposed to be emotional or connected, the word intimacy then because, becomes more of this physical act. Mm-hmm. So when I um, talk with some of my couples. They will think that intimacy means that we're having a lot of sex or we're being physically engaging, and intimacy is not that. That's an aspect of that. It's a byproduct. Physical intimacy, I believe, is the byproduct of our connectedness. It's not that physical intimacy is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I think for many women, um, we desire. And and not always. I don't want to create a generalized statement, but I will say most of the time when I'm looking within the context of marriage, mm-hmm. um, men might say, "Oh, well, we're physically intimate." Or I'll ask, mm-hmm. you know, what's the frequency of physical intimacy? And mm-hmm. the reason why I'm looking for that is because when I believe that um, couples are emotionally connected, physical intimacy will be the natural byproduct of how mm-hmm. frequently they're having. Physical intimacy. And that's not just sex, it's touch, hug, mm. uh, you know, um, cuddling, comfort. Like it, there's such a gamut of physical intimacy. It can be mm-hmm. holding hands, mm-hmm. right? In some ways, I think holding hands can be much more intimate than just this, you know, what we see in the movies, right? It's mm-hmm. these subtleties of showing how we care. But our physical act of loving someone is really through connection. I think um, when we see, okay, when, when young couples are together or we're in the, mm. not young couples, but um, newer couples, you know, they, they can't get their hands off each other. They're like oh. sitting on each other's laps at the restaurant, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, um, they're just so engaged, like they have this deep curiosity for one another. Yes. Um, but I, and not to say that that shouldn't be there as marriage evolves and as it grows, but I think that intimacy begins to deepen and mature. And it's not just this physical thing. It's a deep, profound love and respect for one another, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that evolves in the way that we put our hand on their back or we give them hugs for no reason. Um, and a lot of times I think. What erupts is in marriages, one partner will see how um, a partner will give love and intimacy to their children, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: withhold that from their partner.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, it's like, I know my partner is capable of giving me such intimacy because I see them do it with our children all the time. But because that is not experienced in their marital dyad, from the top down, it becomes very hurtful. So intimacy is really about connectedness. You know, do I know you? Not do I know what you're doing? Do I know what your day looks like? You know, when people tell me how are you and they say fine, I'm like fine is not an emotional word. It's just it's the status quo that things are functional and okay. There's no crisis, right? But intimacy is. Do I know what they're thinking? Oh, I know what it must be like cuz they have a meeting today or a big meeting today or they have, you know, something coming up and I could sense that they're nervous and I just want to give them a hug before they leave.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Those are very those can be very connected and intimate moments, right? That then later we want to express with more physical touch. But a physical yes. touch is not intimacy.
0: Correct. And then, uh, so you've described it well, emotional connectedness, and that can be expressed physically through touch, through looks, and things that may lead up to uh, physical connection as well. But it also comes through the conversations that we have as we share our thoughts, dreams, feelings, and some of us may not be as well versed in expressing our feelings and you know, it takes some practice and there's other ways to express feelings through art and music, and writing, and all kinds of other expressions, but sometimes those words and expressions don't quite connect, and there's misunderstanding, and there's conflict, Mm -hmm. so how do we get past those things to regain the fulfilling part of intimacy?
1: Yeah, oh man, there's so much to unpack there. Um, Mm -hmm. When you said, you know, emotional connection, and we can connect through talking and Mm -hmm. um again that that word of curiosity comes like Mm -hmm. oftentimes I think many people what they do it like let's say hobbies we don't have the same hobbies but we Mm -hmm. I, I hear a lot of couples they watch shows together those those are not bad things but I think um when we lack the ability to really commune and communicate with one another. Mm-hmm. I love movies and I love TV shows, but it, it diminishes my ability to really engage with my partner in a meaningful way to really mm-hmm. know what's on his mind. And mm-hmm. I think again, going back to the um, a cultural context of I don't want to say for, again, it's not just for men, it can be for women too, but Mm -hmm. oftentimes when we are going through something, if it was not modeled for us to talk about it and just explicitly share like, Hey mom, Hey dad, I'm going through a really hard time versus you just, dad's going through a hard time right now. So let's not say anything or Mm. let's just, be uh, let's you know you're an older older brother and older sister so let's just let you know your younger siblings just have it and why don't you just you know be patient or be still or not share okay. right it, it doesn't mean that it's not loving but what it communicates is that I shouldn't speak up and maybe I shouldn't just share because that would be burdensome to mom or dad or to anybody else and as we grow up that I that idea and identity is practiced and fostered. And so in the context of marriage, it's not so it, it's not, you know, second nature for me to just be like, hey, I had a really hard day. It's more like, let's watch a show and hmm. sit in silence and not talk about the hard day because I want you to enjoy the show. And I I I want to redefine how we invite intimacy because i think so many times it's it's expected for oh why didn't you say anything like why don't you mm-hmm. just share and there's a lot of resistance with just simply sharing you know we have to figure out is it the right time do you have capacity you know does yes, my partner yes. have capacity to listen mm-hmm. um and so there's just a lot of things and and i think that can can build up the the conflict and the disconnection Right, because we're not sharing about what's really on our mind, and every day we go through the day. There are these micro experiences; they're not big crisis every day, but we didn't we didn't like that saying, or we didn't feel good about that, and slowly they build up. And I think that's where a lot of times when I'm working with couples or young couples or or just people who have been together for years, it just became this functional type marriage where we're not crisis. We don't hate each other, but man, we don't talk. We're Mm. completely disconnected. I have no idea what my partner likes, right? And um, (laughs) that's where the conflict ensues. I think the crisis can look scarier too where we're just yelling and screaming, but I also think that our silence and our passive aggression and our passivity can be equally as damning and harmful in the relationship as, mm. you know, breaking dishes and screaming and yelling and dare I say even like, you know, you know breaking things and hitting things, right? Like it's, e- I don't wanna say abuse is equally as the same mm. passive, but I will say it is still damaging. Mm-hmm. And it requires both partners in a relationship to really be intentional. And when we're not practicing how to reach out, we got to understand why. What? What is? What is the resistance for me to reach out to you, my safe person, my partner?
0: Hmm. Okay. So let's talk about how how can I learn to be more inviting for a connecting conversation with my partner? Yeah.
1: I think one of the ways that, um, you know, it can even start with, I call it check-ins, 10-minute check-ins, <laughs> where, um, you know, usually it's a 10-minute check-in. Sometimes it's less and sometimes it's two hours, right? But we have this thing where, um, you know, we, we know we want to watch a show where we know we want to, you know, just kind of wind down. But I asked my partner, hey, can we do this? Can, we, can I just check in with you before we turn on the TV? How are you doing? What was your day like? Right? Um, I think one of the things I even ask, um, I, I, I have a bedtime routine with my young one. And one of the questions I ask is, what was something great that made you laugh? That made you smile, right? What was the high of the day? was there anything during your day that made you feel sad, not good, upset, Mm -hmm. even in the slightest way, I try to scale it one to 10, you Mm -hmm. know, and then what are we grateful for? Mm -hmm. I like to kind of tie it up with those three questions, but it's something that I even ask my partner, just like, and sometimes we don't get we don't get past all the hard stuff of that day. We just talk about the hard stuff and I just want to provide a listening ear. Um, But I think it's, how how can we become more curious about our partner? Right? Mm-hmm. How can we show interest in our partner? I think that's the first question, right? Um, where can we find commonality? Because we all feel every single day. Maybe mm-hmm. I didn't feel big today, but yeah, I, I think today there was not not too much dissonance. It was okay. What about mm-hmm. for you? Right. Um, but mm-hmm. still giving one another an ability to answer those questions. Google 10 questions, you know, like 10 questions to ask on a date. I have a bunch of like cards. I use um, table topics. I have table topics all over my house. There's one in our dining room and just random questions to just get us to think. Would you rather um, live in the mountains or by the beach? You know, just mm-hmm. random things to just get us to think. And and I think that can begin to share our dreams and where h- how we answer those questions begin to reflect what we value, what childhood was like, maybe even. Just it evokes something about a past memory or thought. And it's fascinating. And I, I get curious, yeah.
0: Well, very good. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, talking. Talking and walking us through what that actually looks like and feels like. Mm -hmm. It gives us some handles on what a check-in looks like, because I've heard the phrase, but I didn't know how to actually like um, do that beyond the uh, fill in the blank. How are you really? And uh, (laughs) sometimes that puts the other person on the spot because um, those of you that remember uh school days and filling out an essay and it's it's this big big blank page and you gotta fill it out with an essay and that's much harder than multiple choice or something where you have some prompts to uh, answer the question so that's really good what was there a highlight in the day was there a struggle um what surprised you and what are you grateful for so those are some great handles too. To uh, draw someone out and to show a posture of openness and curiosity and desire to learn and desire to connect.
1: I will say one more question that um, mm-hmm. I, I got from Brene Brown was mm-hmm. that um, she said, "What's on your mind and what's on your heart?" And I love that question because what's on your mind oftentimes is, "I have to do this, I have to do that." There's like all these tasks that mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. do. I'm like thinking about what I need to prepare for for tomorrow. But what's been on my heart is, man, I've, I miss my friend, I haven't talked to this person in a while, or I want to build, I want to build more closeness with my partner. And I just don't know how I feel alone in our relationship these days, or, you know, and I think it begins to just kind of separate the to do's and the function versus like, the more intimate thoughts and dreams and values that we carry. And um, I don't know, for some couples, that might be too much. That might feel too intimate sometimes. And we're going to take baby steps. So if that is, then then maybe we don't have to do that. But I think being specific, not just a how are you, I think that can get so broad. But yeah, what's something specific that made you smile? And what's something specific that made you feel not so great? smallest thing the the cashier just had an attitude with me today right that's that's i i'm sorry that happened to you right and yes what are we grateful for you know because there's always 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 something to be grateful for mm. so it's a great way to kind of tie up that 10 minute check-in if if it doesn't go longer yeah
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. In in a day and age when we have so many streaming services and thousands and thousands of videos, it's funny how in our dating ritual that going to the movie is still a popular thing for people to do. And yet it doesn't add a lot to the relationship, although it is a shared experience. But the opportunity perhaps there is after the movie, have a conversation about the movie, like which character to connect with, which one stood out to you um, prompted a reaction and then even during the check in i was um the image that came to mind is like feelings uh, as i'm learning about my own uh, introspection feelings are like uh signals or um the um icons on the dashboard of a car right so when you have those moments of feelings they they prompt you um to share an experience and to share an expression of who you are and what you're seeking and yearning in life. And so as we close this episode, I thought we could check in with each other and uh, demonstrate what that would look like and give us an opportunity to connect too. So we're at the end of the year and 2023 is around the corner. So I'd I'd be curious to hear what you're dreaming of and looking forward to in 2023.
1: Um, I think for me as a mom and a partner, um, I, I, I think it's always a struggle to have balance. Um, and so I have to be intentional about how present I am with my partner and with my child. And so, um, that's something that I'm really looking forward to just consistently building on that relationship. I, I don't want to let that go as, as time is passing. And so I'm always thinking about ways of how do I build more connectedness with my partner and with my child. Um, I look forward to that. And so that's something that I, that is always on the top of my mind. Um, and I guess the things to do is just, I know that when I am able to take care of myself, when um, I'm doing things that I enjoy, it gives me much more capacity to love my family and um, really sow into relationships with my community. And so I'm looking forward to that and um, having a better balance with, with work, life and family. Yeah. Beautiful. What about for you?
0: Well, 23, 23 is looking very hopeful for me. I've got a friend that's going to help me launch this um, new initiative that we're embarking on, Christian Asian mental health. And I'm really connecting with the word connectedness that you've described, because I certainly want to connect with my partner, my wife, um, and my son, Jeremiah, who's now 25. Uh, I'm getting better connection now with my mom and two brothers who live in Maryland. Um, I'm here in California. I just visited with them for a week, um, a couple weeks ago. And we have a baby niece who's now 11 months old. So I'm looking for any and every excuse to fly out there and to watch her grow. So she's starting to walk now. So that's been a real joy and connectedness. I want to be connecting with more churches around the country and help them to um, develop their mental health ministry and become a community of care and so we're looking for those connections and conversations so that we can uh, come alongside like concierge service and show churches how to develop um, ways of showing care and compassion through sermons stories seminars and support groups and really provide that place of belonging and connectedness that complements what therapy and um, medication provides for those who struggle with mental health uh, diagnoses, as well as just everyday stresses of life, anxiety, worry, grief, trauma, uh, even abuse. I think the church has such a vital role to be in the hands and feet of Jesus to love one another.
1: The uh, the connected self can connect with others. Right, mm. if we can connect with ourselves. Then it will be such a natural byproduct to connect with others. If we are not connected to ourselves, then how can we connect with others? It's very difficult. It's much more taxing, and there will be much more resistance. And so, um, understanding that concept and yeah, maybe even finding grace for those that have not connected with you in this holiday season with families and all the um, joy and dysfunction it carries. Um, yeah, I hope we can, we can kind of hold on to that. We cannot connect well with others if we are not connected well with self. Um, mm-hmm. And thinking mm-hmm. about the relationships that you yearn to connect with, are they connected mm-hmm. with
0: themselves? You know, yes. I mean, thinking about that. And we we all can connect better as we're connected with God.
1: Absolutely. Together, as he
0: as he has demonstrated in the Trinity Himself, yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It was so great to connect with you on this conversation, <laughs> and thank you, Erasing Shame uh, audience, for watching and listening. Uh, bless you and look forward to connecting with you in the new year bye bye thank you for listening to the erasing shame podcast check out the show notes at erasing dot com and subscribe to our email for updates we would love to hear from you so please add your comments at our website or on social subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or any podcast app and you can also subscribe on YouTube or follow on Facebook. Please add a rating and review so we can reach more people with our message of health, hope, and compassion. This podcast is the digital outreach of Christian Asian mental health. Please consider partnering with us by making a tax-deductible donation at erationshame.com And together, we can resolve the mental health crisis for every person. Thank you.